This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. This is Indian Noir X, a compendium of real-life paranormal experiences and urban myths from India. Issue number 7 The Sequence Dear Indian Noir and its esteemed listeners In the early 2000s a certain urban myth captured the imagination of millions of indians i'm sure your friends would have told you about it or you would have read about it in the newspapers it went something like this if you rang a certain mobile number after 8 pm the call would get disconnected and in 5 minutes you would receive a call back you would say hello into the phone and no one would respond All you would hear is a strange breathing followed by static. <laughs> Then the caller would hang up. And if you immediately looked out of the window of your room, A scary face would be peering at you with hunger. Now, I must say this is total bullshit. Several people including myself rang the number and nothing happened. In fact, after a while, a smart sex hotline company procured the number and used it as an excellent marketing tool. But let me tell you something that really did happen. An incident that may have inspired the telephone demon urban myth. I studied in a college in Patna that specialized in prepping students for engineering entrance exams. Now, before I go any further, I must let you know that I have altered the names of certain parties due to well, I just don't feel comfortable. I mean this is something so close to my heart and any speculation on my part could draw the attention of people who are let's just say nasty I digress in my class there was a brilliant boy whom we will call Tushar Tushar's father was a well-known numerologist Tushar certainly inherited his father's knack for numbers he was exceptional in maths there were no equations he couldn't solve No math problem that was too taxing for his intellect. And the rest of us were jealous of his genius mathematical brain. He was every teacher's pet. We could see the newspaper ad already. Bhim Sain Institute of Maths and Science, our top of this year in every exam, Tushar. But he was a sensitive soul, and we took advantage of this and teased him a lot. There was a politician son in particular who took delight in bullying Tushar. This loafer was at the institute to waste his time 
and harass the girls. Well, this lad, whom we shall call Rishi, used to taunt Tushar about his numerologist father, telling the poor boy his father was a charlatan. Modern people are not that enamoured with numerology. So Tushar's father's client base was small and he did not make a lot of money from his practice. Rishi loved to point this fact out to everybody in Tushar's presence. Are, ask him to stop this fakery. My father will get him an honest job. He could be an accountant at one of our wheat mills or manage the till at one of our alcohol shops, Rishi used to say. Rishi would also make fun of Tushar's old clothes and worn footwear. And this fool Tushar would react to his taunts and cry and carry on. He would respond with, I will show you the power of numbers one day. It can even tear open the veil between the world of the dead and the living. Rishi and his lackeys would roar with laughter at this. One time, Tushar got so upset, he grabbed Rishi by the collar and said, If you think my father is a useless fucker, if you think numerology is bullshit, say these numbers aloud between 8 and 8.05 p.m. tonight and feel the fury of demonic powers. Here, I will write it down for you. And he did. He wrote down 21, 13, 55, 89, 144, 34. I will do as you say, you stupid sister fucker. But if nothing happens, I will make you pay for touching my clothes. I will make you eat your stinky underwear in front of all these people, Rishi said. Sure. Remember, you have to do it exactly between 8 and 8.05 p.m., Tushar reminded him. None of us could sleep one wink that night. It's not like the mobile app era, where you can check the status of someone's nighttime adventures with a touch. And our parents were super strict about phone use. We were eager to turn up the next day to find out the outcome of the challenge Tushar had posed to Rishi. And we did. Well, we didn't have to turn up to the college to find out. It was in the papers. Rishi was found dead at his home. The exact details of his death came out weeks later. He was found seated on the toilet. His head was snapped back at an unnatural angle. His jaws were pried open with such violence his cheeks were torn and his head resembled an open animal trap, primed to trap its victim. Needless to say, the police investigation did not reveal any foul play. But someone dobbed Tushar in. A rumour started making the rounds in our city concerning Tushar and his father. They said the family was involved in black magic rituals. They said Tushar had put a curse on Rishi because he was jealous of how rich he was and that his father had used his considerable knowledge of the dark arts to bring it to fruition. Things got so bad, Tushar's father was stoned one day on his way to the market. Friends and family warned them to leave the town before something terrible happened. When Tushar left our college midway through the third semester, we all thought they were making good on their intention to lay their roots somewhere else. But they never made that trip. Both father and son perished in a suspicious fire that engulfed their home while they were sleeping. 
as to who was responsible. I will leave that to your judgment, Indian Noir. An year and a half had passed, and my college mates and I had finished our studies at the institute. We were celebrating. With rum and soda and spicy fried chicken, we had secreted to the rooftop of a friend's house. We were having so much fun, the five of us, reminiscing about our college adventures, cracking filthy jokes. Then someone pointed out that it was Tushar's death anniversary. We discussed the sad events that led to his untimely death and how much we missed his eccentricities. The focus of our conversation soon shifted to the numbers that everyone believed had led to Rishi's horrifying murder. The friend who was hosting the party piped up. I have the cutout from one of those masala newspapers that covered the story. If I remember correctly, they printed the numbers under the headline Demonic Number Sequence Kills Politician's Son or something on those lines. I think they got the sequence from one of our classmates. The rest of us looked at him in disbelief. I can go to my room and bring it if you all want, our host said. Although I expressed some hesitation about it, the others in the group got excited about the prospect of some spooky excitement to further enhance the festive mood. It will be 8pm in about half an hour, said someone, encouraging our host. He returned with the yellowing newspaper clipping after what seemed like ages. He held it up like a prized treasure he had raided from a dangerous tomb. Ta-da! our host said, as he joined our sitting circle on the floor. At the centre of the circle was an LED lamp which was in need of a battery replacement. Our food and drinks were arrayed in front of it like offerings to a mischievous god. What's the time? our host inquired. Five minutes to eight, someone reported. Okay, we will wait, he said. I raised my concerns again with the group. Maybe Tushar was right about the power of numbers. Maybe something demonic did attack and kill Rishi. My fellow revelers laughed off this idea. They were certain Tushar was made scapegoat for what was actually a hit job by one of Rishi's father's political opponents. Poor lad. I know I also used to make fun of him. And yes, he was a crybaby, but he didn't deserve what he got, one of our friends said. Enough with the sympathy, you fools. It is eight o'clock, our host said, holding up the wrist of our only friend who wore a watch. We moved in to form a tighter circle as our host placed the newspaper clipping which discussed Rishi's killing in front of the electric lamp. This is for Tushar, our host said. Then he downed his glass of rum and started reading out the numbers. Twenty-one. 13, 55, 89, 144, 34. There was pin drop silence when he finished reading the sequence. We waited with bated breath for something spooky to occur. The only source of light on the open rooftop was the LED lamp. Shadows pooled in dark corners and large sections of the simmon floor were swathed in gloom. 
the sky hosted a few twinkling stars and no moon. The distant and unceasing drone of the city came into focus as we sharpened our senses to pick out the faintest sign of supernatural activity. Nothing for a full two minutes. Disheartened, one of our mates took a swig from his glass and then proceeded to eat a piece of chicken noisily. What a waste of time! He said as he continued munching the piece of meat. Suddenly, I heard a similar chomping sound from behind me. The sound of someone chewing flesh. I looked around to see if anyone else in the group was feasting on the delicacy with gusto. That was not the case. I focused on the source of the sound and determined that it was certainly coming from behind me. By this stage, the others had caught on to the loud mastication. Stop chewing, you idiot! The host said to our friend who was eating noisily. Our friend stopped eating. However, the chewing continued. I saw the look of abject terror in everyone's eyes as they scanned the murkiness around us. I gulped so loudly, I startled the person to my right. There! Our host said, looking behind me. I drew on all my courage and slowly turned. Behind me, in the darkness that dwelled in one corner of the rooftop, was the faint outline of a shape that sat squat on the floor. What looked like its hands moved from the floor to its mouth in regular intervals, as if it was tearing bits of flesh from the ground and placing it in its mouth. A scream formed in my throat, but it refused to come out. I thought I saw the outline of a glaring pus-ridden eye and a mouth that was unnaturally wide. I clawed at the cement floor and scraped off the skin on the tips of my fingers in the process. I could hear the others whimpering in fear. Then it spoke. Baba is here with me. Rishi is here too. Mm. Tasty. Tasty. Mm. I sprang up in terror and screamed and ran towards the stairs. The others were shaken out of their fearful stupor by my actions. They too shouted for help at the top of their lungs and followed me. Our scrambling limbs knocked over the lamp, our food and the drinks. For a brief second, before I fled downstairs, I saw the thing in the faint glow of the fallen lamp. A simian wraith covered in angry red wounds and charred skin, stuffing putrid meat into its mouth. 
God, I will never forget that sight. Needless to say, dear Indian Noir, we never dared to pull pranks like that ever again. We were true believers in the power of numbers, the capacity of dreadful numerical sequences to open portals into other places where demonic entities feed off sinful souls. That terrible sequence that bequeathed me with memories of an everlasting revenge in action. Those eyes, the mouth that drooled as it consumed worm-ridden flesh. The glottal sounds of satisfaction. 21, 13, 55, 89, 144, 34. I urge you not to read these numbers out between 8 and 8.05 p.m. Who knows what might appear in the darkened corners of your room, or worse, the rooms of your listeners.